Well, we're going to get jump right into our message this morning, and our message this morning is deception. Deception. There's a lot of deception out there today, uh, whether it's going to a car lot and a used car lot, and used car, a used car dealer tells you something that's not true. You ever had that? How about, how about all of these uh, phone calls you get on the, on the phone that says, the IRS is coming for you. You better call us right now and give us all your information so we can take care of it, you know, those kind of things. There's lots of deception out there. But I want to talk about deception more specifically in the church, deception in the church and, and deception from all the way up to the top to leadership in the church. The Scripture talks to us about what's going to happen in the last days. So, our, so remember, I give you lots of Scripture. Have your pens ready to write it down if you want to. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 4 and going uh, through quite a bit of, of uh, this here. 4 through 14 is our first part here. And the first thing that I want to say to us, our first point this morning is, put that up there, will you, Nina? The first point this morning is don't be misled. Don't be misled. That's our first point. Here's, here's where it comes from. Matthew 24, 4 through 14, he says, Jesus told them, don't anyone mislead you. Now, notice he puts the onus on you. He doesn't say that you're supposed to go and trust people, and then I'll let you go. Uh, you trusted that, that preacher, you trusted that person, and you're okay. No, he says, don't be misled. And then what he says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. I want to read that to you again, okay? Let's read that again. Because in America, we've got a misconception about what we are as Christians, all right? Let's read again. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers, Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. Got that? Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, then the end will come. And then go ahead and go to verse 24 through 25, and he says, for the false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. Let's pray for a second, can we? Lord, I just pray this morning 
that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. Lord, I pray this morning that those who have an ear to hear will hear what you have to say to the church this morning. Lord, I pray this morning that you will open up my heart and my mind as those of the hearers' hearts and minds this morning to receive from you what the Holy Spirit would give us this morning. Lord, I believe that we are here for a purpose and for a reason. I believe that we're in this building, in this place right now for a purpose and a reason. You have called every one of us for such a time as this. Let this sink deep into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, see, I've warned you about this ahead of time. He starts this out, this, this, this chapter started out, he says, don't be misled. Don't let anybody mislead you. It is your responsible. We know the word says that we are supposed to study to show ourselves approved, not sit and just listen to some teacher, some preacher, some co-worker, some friend. You know, it's amazing to me how you talk to somebody and say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that that's true? Well, so-and-so said it. So-and-so said it. Of course, today, Facebook said it, right? Well, I saw it on Facebook. Whoa. (laughs) What part of Facebook did you see it on? In the advertisement section? I mean, because... I get that a lot. I get that a lot with people. They'll say, I saw it on Facebook. I say, okay, what is the source? Facebook isn't the source. What is the source from face that, that you saw it on Facebook from? And let's see how accurate that is. But we are responsible. We are responsible to not be deceived. Why? Because there are going to be people who come to deceive. There are going to be people who are going to come and deceive you. And sadly enough, Jesus knew it was going to happen. He says, I'm giving you a warning ahead of time. This is going to happen. Now, we have seen at times, we've seen some people say, I'm the Messiah. I'm Jesus. I'm the one you've been looking for. But can I say something? So many times, the deceiver himself, Lucifer, the deceiver himself comes in ways that we would never expect it. And we have to have our eyes open, our minds ready, our hearts filled with the Word of God so that when that comes, we won't be deceived. Now, I want to read this, this next portion to you. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read some verses, and then I'm going to elaborate on something that has occurred in, in this great United States here in just a minute. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 2 says, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on in the church. That's what he's saying. He says among you here, in the church. A lot of people read Corinthians and do not realize that we do not have all of what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We believe the reason that we do not have all of it is that it was so harsh. He was so upset with the Corinthians that it just was like, Nobody else needed to really hear it. We believe that he was so upset with what they were doing and what they were allowing that it was was just like it was to the Corinthians, and so nobody else really gets to read it. But we do believe that there is more than what we have here. That does not change that the Bible is inherent, uh, is is infallible, it is, is perfect. Okay? It is perfect. So he says, 
I can hardly believe the report that there's sexual immorality going on in the church, something that even pagans don't do. I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. So uh, you are so proud of yourself. Remember what the Corinthians are doing? Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 that Paul was saying, hey, this is great. You're, you're, you've got supposedly you've got the spirit moving in your church, right? But you, you have a problem with love. And he had, to, he had to explain to him what love was. The Corinthians had issues, okay? There's a lot of churches that have issues. Thank, thankfully, we don't have a lot of issues. That's, that's just praise to God for that. We've got some good people in this church, and I praise God for that. So he says, you're so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Now, verse 6 says, Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this is sin, uh, that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads the whole batch of dough? Anybody ever use, uh, anybody ever made dough before? The Bible says a little leaven, a little yeast, a little leaven leavens the whole, it doesn't take a whole lot. He says, you've let this sin in, and just this little bit of sin is coming and going throughout your whole church and causing problems throughout your whole church. You remember that the Israelites had this problem too. There was a man named Achan who had, had sinned and had, had taken stuff that he wasn't supposed to take, and they were losing wars and battles because of it, and God had to point him out. He says, this sin that you're allowing to happen, it wasn't that this guy was doing this in secret. You're allowing this sin in your church, and you're not doing anything or saying anything about it. Verses 9 through 12. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Now, I want you to read this part. I want you to get this part. Because people like to use this scripture that says, judge not lest you be judged in the same manner that you judge, you know. And they go, well, that applies everywhere. No, 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 no. It does not apply everywhere. Why? Because we live as Christians according to the word of God. We live, let me say it again. We live as Christians according to the word of God. I've told you this story before. What A manager that I had who was just a year younger than me when I was working at O'Reilly Auto Parts back in the day, we were putting batteries in the battery rack, and he, he said a, what we would call a curse word or a naughty word. And he says, oh, I'm so sorry. And I says, why? Why are you sorry? He says, well, I'm not supposed to say that. I says, why are you not supposed to say that? He says, well, I'm not supposed to, am I? I says, well, you're not a Christian. You can say whatever you want to say. But as for me, I'm a Christian, and I have to watch what comes out of my mouth. The Bible says that I should not let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. What was I doing? I wasn't judging him. Listen, he was a sinner. He's living, he's living the way the devil's letting him live, right? He, he's living the way that his father, the devil, lets him live. When we come to Christ, we then have a different father. We are no longer under the curse of Satan. We have a different father. But he says, right here, I was not talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy, or cheat people, or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. We're going to be around people who sin. If you work in the workplace anywhere, if you, 
if, if you drive down the road, if you go to a restaurant, if you go pay your bill at the tax collector, wherever it is, somewhere you're going to run into somebody who's not a Christian, probably more often than you would expect. Just a side note to cost anything, keep your spiritual antennas ready to talk to people about Jesus that don't know him. He says, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. Now watch it here. We have churches filling up with unbelievers. We have churches filling up with unbelievers who claim to be believers. And we have Christians who hang out with these people and they say, oh, well, it's okay. We're just hanging out together. What I've told you the new, the new term is, What's the new term? You're just on a journey. Just keep on sinning. You're on a journey. Eventually, you'll get there. As long as you ask Jesus into your heart, you'll eventually, you're fine. You ask Jesus into your heart. Let's keep on, let's keep on looking at this, what the scripture says. Don't associate with believers, people who claim to be believers, yet indulge in sexual sin, greedy. They worship idols. Those who are abusive, I know some ladies in here, You've been in some situations where you've had people in your life that were Christian that say they were Christians were, were, were abusive, and you would say that's right, Amen. Don't associate with them. How about or who are drunks? People who get drunk, cheat people. He says, don't even eat with these people. You don't want people to associate. Be going. Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Becky's eating and hanging out with this person over here. They're good friends over here. I know what they're doing on the weekend. I know what they're doing during the week. I've heard them talk. I know this sounds harsh, it sounds difficult, but let me tell you something. It's like parents. Parents, we got a lot of parents in here. When you allow, when you allow your children to get away with something without stopping them, without saying, hey, there are boundaries here and we're going to put a stop to this, the same thing with the people that you hang out with. If you allow people who claim to be Christians to continue to live like sinners and hang out with you and tell everybody else they're a Christian and you don't put boundaries around that, everybody looks at you and says, you're doing the same thing. You're allowing it, so therefore you're a part of it. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Now, I want to say something here. That does not mean you're supposed to go up in church and call people out in front of their face and be mean and hateful to them, okay? And notice something, that judging comes from the word. It's not you. It's not you. It's the word. If the word says it, I believe it, that settles it. I guess we could say if the word says it, that settles it. How about that? I don't even have to believe it. That settles it. doesn't matter what I believe. What matters is that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit put it here. Now we have to listen to it. And anything that goes against his word is false. Now, before we get on to the next, our next point here, I got to tell you this story. Last Sunday, last Sunday, a church, and a pastor, supposed to be a spirit-filled church. And I don't know what spirits are filling this church, but it's not the Holy Spirit, okay? Supposed to be a spirit-filled church. And the pastor gets up and says, clarity. 
We're starting a series on clarity, and we want to clarify some things about the LGBTQ community in our church. Now, I want to say this morning, I'm using this as an example. This one church, and we're talking about LGBTQ plus, 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 whatever. It could be any kind of sin. It could be any kind of sin, but I've got to use this example because it is glaring. When we're talking about deception, the pastor gets up in front of the church and he spends 45 minutes preaching, and about the last 15 minutes of him preaching, I almost wanted to show it to you so you'd believe me because I was like, you know, you're not going to believe this when I tell you, but I felt like it was demonic and it didn't need to be shown. We didn't need to hear this out of his mouth because I believe he's a lying uh, uh, it's a lying serpent that is that is, is speaking. And he, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but, I mean, you can go to their website and see it. But, I mean, they, they made a whole page on it. But here's, here's what he said. A couple of things. One, God blesses homosexual couples. God blesses homosexual marriage. We as a church... And we as an eldership have prayed about it for a year. And the Spirit of God has led us that we allow homosexuals, lesbians, gays, transgender, whatever you want to call it, we allow them from greeting all the way to pastoring in our church. That's where we're going. The Spirit of God told me. Now, here's, here's where it says, the Bible says, Jesus said that No house divided could stand. And here's what he said. If that's a bridge too far to cross, I totally understand. We're going to have some some teaching on it. We're going to teach on it on Thursday nights. We're going to have this series that we're doing over the next couple of weeks. We want you to be here. We want you to listen. Listen, don't make up your mind now. We're not trying to change your mind. We're not trying to change your mind. We just want to inform you and let you make an informed decision. I will help you find another church. There's great churches in our our community, and we'll help you find another church. But we don't want to change your mind. We just want to inform you on it and just give us an opportunity to tell you about this. But if the Spirit of God tells you this is not right for you, then that's fine. Wait a minute. I thought you just said the Spirit of God said this is right. And now you're saying that if the Spirit of God tells you differently, that's fine. You do this differently. We're going to do it this way. You do it that way. A house divided cannot stand. In the church, folks, he said, do not be misled. I ain't worried about numbers. I ain't worried about having 2,000 people. What I'm worried about is that we follow the Word of God because in the end, numbers won't count It is what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives that counts. And what he said, and let me tell you, what's going on? Why did this, oh, wait a minute, I had to tell you this. This church is in California. Eh, This church is in New York. No, no. How about Vermont? No, wasn't there. Maine? No. This church is in Texas. It's in Texas. It's not San Francisco. It's in Texas. The, the pastor gets up there, and when he's, he's talking, and then he gets to talk, talking to those people who are involved in that lifestyle. Notice what I say, in that lifestyle. Sexual sin is, a, is something that you do. It is a lifestyle. It is not some way you were born. It's not some way. God didn't create you that way, okay? I'm sorry. It's just, that's just facts. 
One man, one woman, that's the way God wanted it. One man, one woman. But he, so you say, well, why are we talking about this? Deception. He was up there saying, come on, come to church, come to meeting. I, I want, let me tell you something. If we run 25, 30 people the rest of our life, but we're powerful in the Holy Spirit, then that's all that matters. What happens is, is, is today, in today's church, we want, it's all about numbers. We're successful because we got a lot of people coming to church, and it's, and it's a decent-sized church. It's a few hundred people, maybe a thousand or so. They have two couple of services and you know, it's a pretty decent-sized church. But what happens is we want to be liked. And this pastor gets to talking to these at the end. Talking, we just want you. And he starts crying. Oh, we just love you, LGBT people. We just want you to just be moved and just good. I just, I could not believe it. Now, whether or not he was truly shedding tears of emotional sorrow or not doesn't matter. It's still a lying spirit that was coming out of him. Now, here's the deal. He says false prophets up here. What did he say? He says, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated by all. The American church, we've been teaching everybody that we're going to be loved by all. Everybody needs to come to our church because everything's great. Come to our church. We don't care. And we, I, There's churches even in our community that allow people who are openly sinning. Now, notice, this was an LGBT thing. But I'll tell you right now, you come into our church and you're living with your boyfriend, you're not greeting at the door. You can't call yourself a Christian and greet at the door. You've got to be ready because you never know when somebody's going to walk in that door and they need somebody to pray for them right then, right when they walk in that door. Every position in our church is a God position. Every position is to reach and touch people for the glory of God and see their lives change and transform and see God raise them up, raise them up out of their sin and out of their filth. Hey, we've all been there. The Bible says if any man says he is not a sinner, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. So I'm not going around saying we're better than somebody else. What I'm saying is that Jesus saves us and Jesus cleanses us and Jesus makes us whole and he makes us righteous. He makes us worthy to be called children of God, to be called daughters and sons of God. That's what he does. Our second point, deceivers deceive themselves. Deceivers deceive themselves. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 13 says, yes. Okay, we're going to go back to persecution real quick. Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Can I say, if you haven't went through a little persecution, you need to check and see where your life is with the Lord. Because he said here, everyone. So if you haven't went through a little persecution, somebody hasn't made fun of you or, or, or pushed on you a little bit or tried to say, well, now wait a minute here. Now, I know some of you work in some, some environments that are, are, my mom works in an environment that is very, very, a lot of sinful stuff goes on in there. You'd believe hospitals and nurses. You think, oh, they're so sweet and everything. There's a lot of crazy stuff. You could, you could hear some of the stories. It, it would just blow your mind. But if you're living for the Lord, there's going to be persecution, period. Write it down, put it up on your wall, and hey, Count it all joy is what the scripture says when you are persecuted, okay? But here's what he says. But evil people and imposters will flourish. There's nothing you can do to stop it. 
they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. You know, I keep on telling you, the scripture's important. I can read the scripture all day long to you because it is true. You have to always, that's why, why do I give lots of scripture Why I tell you? Because I want you to know this is the truth. This doesn't come from me. This comes from God, okay? I mean, I get up here, I could take one, one verse. Like I've told you before, it's not that you can't preach out of one verse or preach a whole message. That's okay sometimes. But let me tell you something. When the devil comes against you, you need something a lot more powerful than Adam Levins' words to go up against him. You need the word of God because it's the word of God that is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting even into the bone through the marrow, down into the deepest portions and splitting that apart. That's the word of God. Even evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will be themselves deceived. So this pastor... A year ago, he took his elder board on a journey to pray, quote, unquote. They read books and books and books to find out what's the best thing to do. What's the best thing to do? Well, you want to know something? We're reading Scripture here, and if I remember what I just read in 1 Corinthians, he says you've got somebody in your church who is sexually immoral, living in it, flaunting it, and you're just hanging out with this person, and you're okay with it. Paul wasn't happy about that. This pastor takes some of Paul's other scripture where he says, where he says, you know, when it, when it comes to what you eat, when it comes to how you, you know, uh, the Sabbath and all this stuff, we're, you know, don't judge each other over that. What do I say? I'm going to say it. I probably say it every week. No the context, so you're not conned by the text. I can take any scripture out of the Bible that I want to and use that scripture to convince you my way's right. I can do it. I take one scripture, take it out of context, preach it to you. You can walk out of here going, well, that's great. I can do whatever I want to do, just what he just said. But you have to put it in context. So he, he, he took that scripture, but I'm like, but what about all this other scripture that tells us that sexual immorality will not be allowed? The Bible is specific. Old Testament, New Testament. Adultery is wrong. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. It's specific about this, okay? We stay away from it. Stay away from it. But he deceives himself because he takes Scripture and he goes through and then he reads books by uh, secular writers and people who agree with where he wants to go. Notice what I said. He wants to go there. When you look back on his Twitter and you see some things that he had posted a few years back, you could tell that he was already going the direction of sin and going the direction of allowing sin to run in his church and be okay with it. But here's the deal. Number three, here's the deal. God detests false teaching. I was thinking, what is the word? Detest is the best word for this. God detests false teaching. Here's what he says in Revelations 2, 14 through 16. He says, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them the sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sin 
a sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin, or I, Jesus is speaking here, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What's the sword of his mouth? The word. Let me tell you something. When Jesus speaks, worlds are created, worlds are destroyed. You get that? That's how powerful it is. Verses 20 through 21, same, same chapter. But I have said this complaint, but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. God detests, detests false teaching. So much so, so much so, this is what he says in Mark 9.42. You ready? If you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown in the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. When I get up on this platform, when Becky comes and she teaches on a Wednesday night, when our, when our life group discipleship group teachers come on a Sunday morning, they are concerned. When Connie teaches at, uh, on Sunday nights at prayer or at prayer walk on, on that fourth Saturday of the month, she doesn't come to you going, well, this sounds good. This, this, this agrees with my spirit. No, she prays about it. They pray about it. They say, God, what do you want me to say? How do I need to say it? Where do you want me to lead these people? Because I don't want to lead them the wrong way. I tell you right now, any pastor who will not take correction because they preach something that was wrong doesn't need to be preaching. Now, that being said, don't go beating up on the pastor, okay? But this pastor should take correction. This pastor should hear from his people that they come and say, Pastor, the Scripture says, I cannot be misled. I cannot allow this to happen. And you are deceiving not only us, but you're deceiving yourself because the scripture says this is not right. And I say to you, if you're in my church and you're a congregant in this church and I say something that is totally anti-God, notice when you go through our, our next steps, those of you who have went through it, we talk about this, that there are some things that we can be that we can agree to disagree on because it's not a salvation issue. But sin is a salvation issue. Those things that are solid in the word of God that are straight, Jesus is the son of God, he died on the cross, he rose three days later, hey, we can't, sorry, that's that. There are some things we can agree to disagree on. We can say, listen, the scripture is not specific about this, and anything in the scripture doesn't tell us, doesn't even lead us to be specifically that way. So that's okay. So while I say that is don't, don't come up to, to me or if you attend church in another state, another pastor, don't go up to the pastor just because you don't like this. Say, okay, wait a minute. The word of God isn't specific about that, right? The word of God doesn't say specifically for for instance, um, we could say, well, uh, the Word of God doesn't say if we can use contemporary music or we have to use gospel music or we have to use hymns or whatever. It's not specific, okay? The style of music is not in there. So we don't need to go up, you know, 
We don't need to go up to, to the pastor going, man, this is unholy music. I don't want to hear it anymore. You know, I, I say that because I've been there, done that. I, mean, I haven't done it. I'm sorry. I've been done that too. Um, being a worship pastor for a long time, I've had people, why do you sing? Why do you? Oh, I was playing drums one time in church, and I had a deacon come in. And our church hadn't had drums and I was young. He come in, I was practicing when nobody was there on a, on a weekday. And he comes in the church. He lived across the street from the church. And I was in there just playing on the drums. Boom, boom. Nobody's there, just me. He walks in, he walks up to that, to that drum set. And we had one of those guards in front of it. They're about worthless, you know, those little short four-foot guards. And he looks over and he points his finger at the top. He says, you play extremely too loud. And he turns around and he walks out. And I was like, I've been moved around on the platform so many times because I get too crazy on the guitar or the bass or something else. You know what I'm saying? They're like, well, move him over here. Move him over there because I didn't play Southern Gospel. Uh, that's the church I grew up in. I love them. They're good people. But, you know, I, I just, that's why me and Sax get along. We just like to jam a little bit, you know? So we, we don't, we don't want to deceive people. We don't want the pastor don't sit under a pastor. And if the, church, if the church is not willing to stand up to the pastor, you're just going to have to leave. And that can be a hard thing to do. That can be a hard thing to do. And I pray that this church never goes that direction. And as long as I'm here, I'm never going that direction. And I'm listening. I'm paying attention to what God says, but I'm also listening to you too. Speak to me. If you, if you say, Pastor, that's just not scriptural. The church I grew up in, Pastor, he didn't like my dad too much because my dad went to him and says, Hey, this isn't this isn't in, in the Bible. And so that pastor became, you know, a little bit uh mean and did some other things. Instead of just correcting himself, no big deal. I may say something stupid sometimes. I have to correct myself. I'm just human. So what are we supposed to do? I just want to put this. He talks about this twice, and, and I don't want to go into a big message about this, but I do want to say, what are you supposed to do when somebody that you're around in the church doesn't correct what they're doing wrong, and they continue to sin? The Scripture is very specific about it, and there's a lot of preachers who don't like this Scripture, and for some reason, they forget it's in there. And I have worked underneath them, worked under some great ministers of God, but they are scared to enact what the Scripture says. And he says in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, he says, this person who was in sexual sin was not changing. You must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. So a stark contrast to a preacher who says, you can continue to sin and you can become a pastor in the church. Paul says, no, 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 no. If you continue to sin and you will not take correction, throw him out. That way he can find out that he's wrong. What did I say about parents earlier? When we allow our children to continue to do something and we don't set boundaries and we don't say, hey, you cannot do this, they're going to say, hey, mom, dad, they're okay with it. I keep on doing it. Same way in the church. Now, I pray to God that we don't have to throw people out of the church. That's not, that's not our goal. Our goal is to work with people. And, work, and if somebody's willing to work on that, somebody's in, involved in some kind of sin, 
We're going to pray with them. We're going to pray through with them. We're going to see breakthrough. We're going to see that happen. Nina, scroll back up again because it'll stay recording. Scroll back up to our, our vision again right there. Not the very, very top one. Just right above where, the, where this is. Otherwise, it'll stop the recording. The, the one we clicked on right before No God, No Limits. If you can put that up here again. Give her a second to get there. One more back. Just one more back. That next one. Vision. This is our vision. And what does it say? First one I put in our vision when I wrote this vision, set free. That is our goal, to see people set free. It's not to coddle them and it's not to hold on to their sin. It's to say, we want want you set free. And we serve a God who can set you free from every sin that's out there. That's what we serve. We heard we heard Sax's testimony just a few weeks ago about how God set him free miraculously, supernaturally. And that's the kind of God we serve, that he wants to set us free from those sins. Praise God.